Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. I want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios. And we're part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, review our podcast. And all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, as well as Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball boxing, golfing, and more. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and get on, on the action. And remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we go to the Meadows Lumber Hotline to bring in Rod Levin of Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, or Studios <laughs> Soap Company. Um, really want to thank you for coming on. We've been kind of talking about you coming on since we uh, partnered up and you know, we were talking off air about how the, the soap company has been doing. And what really amazed me is when we first started talking was you actually do more sales overseas in Italy when it comes to your coffee and your soaps than, than you do here in the States. So talk about the beginning, you know, what got you into doing the soap and the roastery, moving it to Paris. And of course, I know when we uh, first put it out there you know people were interested in the name and so talk about you know where you got the name from and what it means to you thank you for having me on this is uh i'm nerve-wracking but a pleasure to do either way so um well so for the cliff notes version of, of sterling soap is um after I got back from my third tour in Iraq in 2011, Mandy and I, Mandy's my wife and the other half of the business, we took a, a belated honeymoon to Scotland. Um, and while we were in uh, the city of Stirling, we were one of the places we visited was a William Wallace monument. And um, we were sitting on top of the William Wallace monument overlooking the town of, of, of Stirling. And as we're looking around there, um, we noticed all the, you know, the sheet being moved around from yard to yard and, and just how green and beautiful it was. And just It was just a really inspirational place for both of us. And when we got to talking about going home and getting sheep of our own, which we now have, um, and, you know, using the meat, the wool, and, and even the fat for making soaps and something clicked during that conversation. And it was like, hey, we decided then and there while on top of the, the Wallace Monument in Sterling that when we got back from our honeymoon, um, we were going to buy some equipment and some oils and try our hand at making soap. But, the, you know, at the time, it was just going to be a hobby um, because I was I was still on active duty in the Army and she was a, a defense contractor there at Fort Hood. Um, and so, you know, we... Followed through with it, started making our first few test batches. Uh, February of 2012, we had our LLC and we decided we were going to start selling it. 
Um, and then flash forward to October of 2013, um, I got out of the army. Um, after 12 years, I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, we had just had our firstborn son. And at that time, the hardest thing I'd ever had to do in my life was leave my wife for a year um, to go to Iraq. And I just, I was preparing for a year in Afghanistan and I, I could not, um, I couldn't imagine not just leaving my wife, but having to leave my son as well. So um, I, w I walked away and we decided that we were gonna make Sterling Soap, um, make a go at that as a career. And, and you originally and so, started. Oh, I mean, we some type of Yeah, I think we're having a little connectivity issue. Yeah, we're having a little connectivity issues on the hitting a little bit of a lag. Um, but yeah, just talking, we were talking about the start of the company, and then you originally had started in Boonville, and and of course you have your store there in, in Paris now. And what caught my eye was, you know, if if you know anything about that area, just it being on the square there in Paris, and it's it's eye catching like and you go in there and look at the store and the retail store it was really it, it was really cool to go in there and see all the products that you offer and when you see soap company you think just a few things of soap but when i went in there they had beard balms i mean just talk about all the stuff you have to offer there you know and and what people can find or look forward to when they come into sterling soap and and, and of course right next door you have where you do the the, the coffee and the roastery yeah, sure. So um, our main moneymaker, what we're really known for, what what made us what we are is shaving soap, just, you know, old style shaving soap in a tub or or a puck that goes in a mug that you build a lather with a, with a brush and a, and a good portion of our customers use an old style safety razor or a, or a, or a straight razor in some cases. Um, so that's that's what really got us off the ground as a company, but we've expanded to, like you said, we've got beard oils, beard balms, colognes, eau de toilettes, lotions, body butters. We're trying to become a, an all-encompassing bath and body works style company to where anything grooming related, you can, you can pick up with us. And so, you know, like you said, a, a lot of people don't know what to expect when they see, you know, a small town soap company. Um, they think, oh, farmer's market, handmade goat's milk soap or something like that. And it's like, now we're, yeah, everything's handmade here, but that's, we're not farmer's market style soap. I mean, it's, it's quality stuff that has been tested over and over. And, and it's like you said, set around the world. We, we do on, on just about any year, we'll sell more soap in Italy uh, than we do in Arkansas. And it won't even be close. Um if it weren't for e-commerce and the internet, we probably don't exist because just there's not enough business, there's not enough consumers in small town Arkansas to keep a business like like ours afloat. And how did you know? Of course, we're kind of two three years removed from it, but you know, how did COVID affect your business? I mean, did it help? Did it kind of kickstart? You know, what did, what did COVID do for your online business and really do for your company? Um, at the start, it kicked us square in the nuts. It, it, it was awful. I was worried that we were going to have to 
to uh, really cut back. Um, we did take out a PPP loan, which helped things for a while. But the big thing was um, the hand sanitizer shortage. We have, I've got an industrial alcohol permit. And so the Logan County judge, Ray Jake had re reached out and they couldn't get hand sanitizer for their first responders and EMTs and things like that. And he, he asked if we had the capability to do it. And I said, sure. So we started making it for them. We made it for the Boonville Police Department, Sheriff's Department, people like that. And then once we had all the, the local law enforcement and first responders taken care of, we put it on our web website for sale and we gained so many new customers um, just from people looking for hand sanitizers that it, it buoyed us through the rest of the year. And you look at like what that does to you when you're happening to use this, but yeah, it's like everybody knows how much COVID changed everybody's life. And you're like, people are coming to you and you're making this hand sanitizer and stuff. And, you know, how hard did it take you to get back into the point to where you're at in the retail store today? Like, okay, we're going to deep dive into this. We're really going to make this our, our company and to where you, and when did you get the notion that, man, we can really make this a huge company and kickstarting your online sales? Um, well, I mean, we really, even before COVID, we realized we were on to something because we're kind of one of the godfathers of the revival of, of wet shaving, the, the old style uh, shaving. So, I mean, we knew that we were on to something. COVID put a dent in that, but what uh, we've still not completely recovered from everything because prices on raw materials and packaging are probably never going to go down. So that's just the new reality. Shipping costs are higher um, than they were three years ago. And that's just something that we learned to deal with. But the big thing was, is it taught us, um, it taught us how to, to rapidly respond to just about anything that could be, because I don't know if there's much they could throw at us that would be worse than that. And it taught us how to be nimble, in terms of what we're doing and, and adjust to anything. And I, I'm, I'm to the point now where um, based on some of the things that we had to do, some of it like finding new suppliers for raw materials, um, it's, it's given us a new way of, of looking at our business as a whole. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that we can continue to grow this for the next 5, 10, 20 years as long as I want to keep doing it. And what I noticed too is when, when I come in there and got those products and stuff, when we met up, you're like, all right, I want you to take some of these products, take it home, try it. I, you get the batch numbers on the back. So, you know, uh, also, I mean, this stuff is produced in Paris. It's produced and sold in town. So it's not like you're running a business and you're selling it, you know, you're buying this retail and, and selling it. You're making it in the town. Another, you know, product that comes from the state of Arkansas and, and it's you were looking at some of the places the your items right now and right there jumped off the bat the activated charcoal facial soap that's in my rotation I uh, you, you told me to try the lemon uh, chill after a um, long day of mowing and I want to tell you I did that the very first time but my wife has this house so cold it, like a hospital that when I used that soap and then got 
to the, the house, I about froze to death. And this was in, in the middle of summer. So I'll use that, you know, every now and then, you know, like I can use the But I really like the the Haverford. That has been my, when we talk about like which ones I've tried, the you know, the charcoal, the rum, um, the Ozark Mountain I've tried. Uh, but the one that really I like the most has been that Haverford. It's the scent and a lot of these people, you know, you put it on that lather and it really lathers very well opposed to other lye soaps or other soaps that really tend to dry out your, your skin when you use them. Yeah, they're, um, I mean, that, that's what we form, we formulate them just to be that, to not strip your skin, to not, um, to not be something that's going to make you feel itchy or dry after the shower. And that's the majority of the people that try our bath soaps end up getting hooked on them. And if they do try to go back to, you know, dial or ivory or Irish spring, whatever, they, they realize, okay, this feels gross and come back to us. Yeah. And, and also, you know, you have, you know, like my wife went in there, it's like, Oh, they got plenty of stuff for, for women and men's and, we ain't even not on the shaving aspect of the shaving products that you have, you know. So I guess just, you know, before we switch it over to the sports side of these things, you know, just talk about, you know, all the other different items, like what's your favorite, you know, items in the store. And then again, you know, tell people where your store is located at in, in Paris and and then we'll hit, hit a little break. Okay, so um... – Mommy, my, the, the biggest thing we use most of all is obviously the bath soap because, I mean, we've got six bars of varying scents in our shower at any time for me, Mandy, and our three boys. But we've also, um, I've got a, a closet full of shaving soaps and aftershaves, and so I can shave with and, and, and wear a new scent just about every day of the month um, without having a double. And it's, you know, that that's kind of the hobby aspect of it. You know, a lot of people don't think of shaving as a hobby, uh, but that's really kind of what's driven the renaissance and the return of this style of shaving is, is the lifestyle factor that you have men who are realizing, Hey, there's nothing wrong with me taking 15 minutes for myself in the morning. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, build a lather on my face with a brush and, and actually take my time shaving, put on some music and, 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 you know, enjoy the smell and enjoy the fact that, you know, when I come out, I pat it on the aftershave and maybe dabbed on some cologne and, and I look good and I smell good and there's nothing wrong. You can, you can be a manly man and, and, you know, you can still take care of your appearance and, and try to look, look and smell your best. So, I mean, that, that's kind of what we've, we've made our reputation off of. Um, our location, we're directly across from the courthouse steps on the, south side of the square in Paris, Arkansas. And I'm, I couldn't be happier to be there because we're right on Highway 22. We've got seen such a huge increase in foot traffic since we moved to Paris from Boonville. And I, honestly, that's part of the reason we've stuck around here. I mean, I, I grew up in, I grew up in Subiaco. I know the challenges that come with, with living in rural Arkansas. You know, when, when I was gone for the army for all those years, I'd come back and every time I would drive through these towns like, you know, DeQueen and, and Walder and Mansfield and all these other places, and you, you see all these businesses shuttering because they can't adjust to the new economy of, of, of e-commerce, but also, you know, 
rural towns that don't have access to a railroad or, or interstate or waterway, I mean, they're, they're in a disadvantage. And so, you know, Paris has none of those things, but we're close to Mount Magazine. So we get a lot of traffic and I'm, I'm trying to probably a little bit egotistical, but trying to prove that, you know, a rural town in Arkansas can still matter and can still, you know, provide jobs for its people that, that, you know, pay well and take care of them. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, that that's one thing. If you want to talk about like the square, that that's what Paris is known for. I mean, in the river Valley at the Paris square, you know, you see pictures of the courthouse, you know, all the time that promotes the city. And, you know, I was talking to a couple other shops there and they're proud of, you know, what y'all have been able to do. You, know, you go to the other shops and you see this big glamorous company come in and a lot of people will be thrown off by it or they'll get, you know, salty over it, but y'all have been embraced by the community, by your peers over, you know, and other businesses. And I really respect that because all it's going to do is help everybody grow. You know, if you start, well, they're doing this and we're doing that, you know, it doesn't help nobody in the long run, but for people to support each other, that's, that's where you, you grow and you become a better town. And that's what Paris has really thrived on when it comes to you utilizing that square that it is a lost art nowadays when you talk about driving through the towns, like you said, in the downtown, like the town I live in Ozark, you know, they're trying to revamp it, but they got a lot of work to do when it comes to, you know, making it what it used to be, especially, you know, having a square right there as well. Yeah. But before we switch thing over to the sports side of things, we're going to talk about this episode being sponsored by Blue Chew. And let's talk about sex, guys. Remember the days when you were ready to go, and now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in a chewable tablet and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Does it work, and do you think you need it? Try it for a month and see. Blue Chew wants to help you, and discover your options at bluechew.com. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use a promo code BUCKET at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code BUCKET. To receive your first month free, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. And, Rod, you know, we talked about beforehand, you know, we have a similar where we got our first love for sport and, and – and I got a buddy of mine, Zach, uh, Zach Orange, that's going to love this. But, you know, my very, very first fandom when it come to college sports was Rocket Ismail in, in Notre Dame. Uh, my cousin had the Sports Illustrated cut out. We had, you know, had it scotch taped on the wall. That that was our posters back in the day. We would take the Sports Illustrated covers and the, and the pictures and post them on our wall, you know, and. So that was my love. You said you only even almost went to Notre Dame. So talk about, you know, your your fandom, your love for the Razorbacks, and, and then we can deep dive into what you think of Sam, the job he's done in Arkansas. Yeah, so I mean, I, I grew up, um, thanks to my dad and, and just being in Arkansas, we, we grew up Razorback fans. Um, like you, I, I was a Notre Dame fan when I was younger as well. Um, but now as a, as I'm older, I've, I've 
and have three kids, it's harder to, to focus on multiple teams. So I'm pretty much Razorbacks, everything now. And that's, that's about the only thing that I give my time to. But I mean, I went to plenty of Razorback games growing up and we used to do, cause my dad was a, a big hog farmer um, in the nineties. So part of the Arkansas Pork Producers Association's deal was, and some people may remember this, they had big tents set up and we would give away free samples of, of pork tenderloins, you know, in little cups with on uh, with either forks or um, toothpicks that you could just pick and eat it. And so we would have people coming through for three hours before the game eating with us. And then we got, um, we would get field level passes to go into the game. And so we, we did be out there on the sidelines watching the game and, and just just absolutely having an, an amazing time. There's nothing like the Razorbacks. There's nothing like the sound of the fight song. And, there, and there's nothing – there's very few things in sports for me that, that come close to the joy of a successful Razorbacks football team. Yeah, and it's unique, you know, and it's crazy as as much as, you know, my fandom lies with Clemson now and, and being in a family in South Carolina, you had to choose between South Carolina and Clemson. You know, here in Arkansas, that's it. That's all anybody really had. And it was either that or you like the Cowboys or the Cardinals. It was always some pro team or like with me, you know, when I was a teenager, it was Cowboys and the Atlanta Braves. You liked the team. That was good when you're a kid, but for the most part, it was the Arkansas Razorbacks. And that's really cool that you got to go, you know, to the games and how ironic it is that you're a pork producer and you're giving people, you know, hog meat before, before the game, you know, it, it, but everybody, and that's what everybody was saying. Like, you know, all these uh, opposing teams and fan bases, they have these hog roads and stuff, and they're like, we do that too. That That's not a, a knock at Arkansas where you think it is, but it's really not because, heck, we, we got hog farms all over Arkansas. <laughs> I remember there was yeah, one. That might be the one that had it. It was in between Ozark and Paris. There was always a hog farm out there that, and, and you're talking about in, in the 80s and 90s that on 309. So, I mean, it, there was it's not there anymore, but – I remember that one distinctively in between Ozark and Paris, the, the, the hog farm out there. Yeah, if you've ever been on a hog farm, you'll never forget the smell. There's a reason they make them be way out in the middle of nowhere and down, typically down at the very end of a road. And, and you know, for you being, you know, the Razorback fan that you have for many years, you've seen the ups and the downs and, and the, the great wins, the bad losses and stuff, and you, you look at what Sam Pittman's done with this program and somebody who's followed them for so long, you know, where, where do you think that, or how exciting is it to you that, you know, just because they're not getting eight, nine, 10 wins every year, you know, Arkansas football is exciting. Again, people are going to the games They're I mean, we remember four or five years ago, 20,000 people would be in the stands because they could not stand the product that was on the field. You know, how exciting is it as a Razorback fan that you get to see excitement again and something really to look forward to opposed to just, well, we can't wait till basketball season gets here. It, it really is exciting. It, it's not, you know, to, to go from 
the the Petrino years, and then to have the, the season with John L. Smith, and then um, the Belama years, followed by Chad Morris. I mean, it, it, you've got nearly a decade there of just minima, but it, it always it always left you wanting more. There, I mean, you never felt like. There, there wasn't the same excitement surrounding the program. I, I never felt in, in five years under him like they'd have a shot to win the SEC championship, certainly not a national championship. And honestly, the, with what you see Pittman doing and, 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 and the amount of people he's bringing in, but, but also um, just honestly his, his dedication to the team and love for the Razorbacks, you feel like you have somebody up there that is – Maybe he never will win a national championship, but you're not. I don't think you really have to worry about going in there and seeing them fall flat and, and give you zero effort and just get embarrassed. And you, and you, when you just turn the TV off halfway through the fourth quarter because you're just so shamed to watch it. Oh yeah, and that that's 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 the biggest thing that that I think he's brought back. He's brought back a lot of hope. Um, to a lot of people who didn't think that it was going to return and certainly not going to return this fast. Um, I don't think anybody could have seen what was coming two years ago with, with the nine win season. Uh, realistically, you know, after, after the, the Chad Morris years saying two years later, you're going to be a nine, nine win team and just a, a whiff away from being a 10 or 11 win team. Nobody real, you know, nobody's being honest with himself saw that coming. And, you know, last year they, they thanks to injuries and, and a few missteps that I think Sam himself would, would agree. Um, they, they, they didn't meet their full potential, but this year I, um, I'm probably being the biggest homer in the world, but I, I've got extremely high expectations and I've, I don't think I've been this excited for a season since 2011. I think the biggest the biggest upside to this season is you've got a coach that wants to prove. I, like you were talking about with with your you and your company and want to prove that it can be done in Paris with your soap company. I, I think Sam Pittman wants to prove the same thing that I can win at Arkansas. I know what it takes to win here. You know, and you talk about the missteps last year and, and bringing in Enos, but you've got a coach that wants to win. He wants to give the fans a winning season. And when I say winning season, I want to say nine, ten wins. He wants to give them that. You've got a quarterback that wants to give them a nine to ten win season. I mean, to win every game and go out there and fight. You know, then you bring in Enos, the guy that, you know, both Pittman and Enos when they left, I think they still have a chip on their shoulder from how they were when they were with Arkansas the last the last time. So – I think all of that together is bringing an edge to this season that people are undervaluing what that means when they really want to prove and you really back someone into a corner. This is KJ's last year in Arkansas, and I, I don't think that he's taking it lightly and just looking at the NFL. I, I told Adam last night, I think he wants to go out as being remembered as the greatest Arkansas quarterback to ever play in, in Fayetteville. I actually uh, – I took some notes before we sat down here, and, and that's one of the things that I wrote down is that, I mean, K.J., has, he has an opportunity this year to grow to go down as the greatest quarterback in Arkansas history. 
I mean, he, he's not been perfect. He's not, and there's a, there's still a lot of room for improvement with him, but by a lot of people and me included at times, I think he's been criminally undervalued at, at what he can actually do. I mean, some of the times where he's taken a team and, and can just put them on his shoulders and willed them to victory. I don't think he gets enough credit for the stuff outside of the, the heavy lifting heroics, his ability to, to produce offense. I mean, he does, he's, he's a, a really competent quarterback and, and if Enos is able to get him to come in to where he can he can hit a crossing route he can hit a slant route um things that he's really not been able to do in the past but if he learns to hit a slant route in stride where his receivers can start picking up yards after catch he, he'll have one of the, the an all-time great um Razorback quarterback seasons oh yeah and, and that's the thing and the greatest thing about that is if you have that type of season, if you have that type of year and you go out with the, that kind of bang, you'll be remembered forever. This is nothing that, you know, unlike, you know, an Alabama or Ohio State or, you know, the Blue Bloods that just produce, you're just another star player. Yeah, you'll be remembered for how great you are, but not on the magnitude of, if KJ leaves it all out on the field and they go nine or 10 wins this season, if, if Arkansas wins 10 wins this season and KJ just, just wills this team to 10 wins, he probably will go down as the greatest quarterback outside of Quinn Grovey or, or Ferguson. But you're talked about as the greatest quarterbacks, not of an era, but ever. And I think that's what it would take. I think it's going to take for him to have a stellar year and if they eclipse that 9-10 win mark, I mean, it's going to be hard to make an argument that he is not the greatest quarterback to play for Arkansas. And that's not a prisoner of the moment take. That's legit what he's done for this, not just on the field, but what he meant to this program and what he meant to the fans of help being that catalyst for bringing Arkansas football back to where it should be. And that's a respectable 8-9-10 win season every year. Yeah, absolutely. And then it, if, if he gets to 10 wins, um, I don't see how you keep him out of that conversation just simply because, I mean, their schedule is still, I mean, it's still a nightmare this year. He's going to have, he's going to get beat up. He's going to have games where he's going to be asked to, to shoulder more than his fair share of the load. And it's um, 10 wins is, yeah, he, he's an all-time Razorback great territory at that point. It'd be hard. And, and yeah, that was another thing that, you know, me and Adam were talking about last night and we're talking about just to get to eight wins, you're, you're having to finish 500 in the sec and that's being in the sec West. You know, some people, I think when they look at Arkansas's record, we're, we're talking about how undervalued they I think the schedule in Arkansas playing in the West is undervalued when you were talking about well, Arkansas went six and seven or seven or six and six and six or seven and six. People don't realize when you don't have the depth and the talent that your other teams have when you're looking at Texas AM, LSU, Alabama. And then when you're having to play, you know, you don't get an easy schedule like in the East. You got to play Georgia, you got to play Florida, you got to play Tennessee. 
you've got to win, go 500 in the SEC playing in the West to even get to where you're considered for an eight-win season. And, and that's hard. Yeah, there's there's no get healthy weeks in the in the West. There's no there's no Vanderbilt where you can cruise really to a victory in, in most cases. So, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a slog. But I, I honestly, I'm like I said, I, I'm I'm a homer. For me, I, I I think they do it this year. I see ten wins as the floor. I I, um, I think a lot of the 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 bullies are are ripe for the picking this year. And you know, not to say that people should overlook Alabama, they they shouldn't overlook LSU. I'm just saying, if there's ever a year that we're going to beat Alabama and LSU in the same season, it's this year. Yeah, yeah, and and I know LSU is doing some some very good things, but I I've said it and I'll say it again. You know, playing LSU that first game right off the bat, opposed to Playing Texas A&M is your first game. I think that's going to be key. I think that's going to be one of the things that if this team does turn around and pull off a 9-10 win season or even even an 8-win season, I think you can look at that LSU game being that first game and be like, okay, they played LSU tough, they pulled off an upset, or they played them really tough and come up short. It's going to propel them into a different season opposed to playing Texas A&M and just losing to them again no matter how they lose. It just seems like when they lose to Texas A&M, knowing that they got the upper hand on them and just can't do it on the scoreboard, it's almost like you follow it up at the end of the year with Missouri. You win those two games right there that you're known for losing, you're turning six wins at eight wins right there. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I mean, I mean, you're totally right, though. Something like that could be enough momentum going into – I mean, they've got a, a real bad three-game slog um, that it would be nice for them to start um, at 5-0 and going into those. It, it would be – if nothing else, you would think that they would be playing with a lot more confidence. But, like I said, for, for me, I, I see it happening this year. I, I think that um, Travis Williams I, – I, I cannot wait to see what he does on defense. If nothing else, just simply because I am so sick and tired of the three-man front and watching quarterbacks get eight seconds in the pocket. And it seemed like every game for three years straight, and I personally, I like Barry Odom, but for three years straight, it seemed like every quarterback was setting a school record against Arkansas. And that gets hard to watch. Yeah, we we were talking to a guy, and he said basically that three-man front is like a, it's a retreat defense. You're just trying to keep the defense in front of you. So it's basically a prevent defense to prevent them from scoring, but then you're allowing them to sit there, and especially with the spread. And and you, you got elite quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks in the SEC, and they can just pick that apart, and that's exactly what they did. And when you have your I mean, start – go ahead. Even the even the non-elite quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know if you remember the Alabama game last year. You know, we would we had started to turn momentum to our side, marched the ball down the field, and got within a touchdown. And we had their backup quarterback, who I could probably throw left-handed better than he does, yep. on third and fifteen, and we go up there in this three-man front and watch him run for a seventy-five-yard touchdown to ice the game, and oh, it's just. I, why in the world 
would you not at that point at least try to put a little pressure on a guy who has shown you for the last quarter and a half that he can't throw? Yeah. That, that was the biggest downfall. There was no adjustment. And, and it, there was a time, and I don't know what happened to that with Barry Odom, was at a time they, they did adjust. At a time they would go into halftime and they could adjust. But I don't know if it was depth or just they I, – I have no idea, but it seemed like they lacked – the adjustment and when you know a guy all he's do is do a zone read and run and for him to have that many rushing yards and, and those many attempts against Arkansas yeah it, it is very deflating and I know it was to Alabama but it was just you had them right there where you wanted them and you, you could have took the game away from them but you again you, you just let the guy just run right past you and that's who their starting quarterback is this year so hopefully you said, like you said, with the new DCs coming in, they'll be able to, you know, game plan. You got co-DCs. And when you have co-DCs, these are two guys that are coming in wanting to, you know, make names for themselves. So I think it's going to benefit because you got two guys that are hungry that's going to share the capabilities or the responsibilities of the defense. And it's going to benefit Arkansas. Is it um... – is it an actual true 50-50 row with Woodson and uh, Travis Williams? Are, are they or, – or is Travis Williams really the main man and Woodson has got the co-coordinator, or is that something that you've been privy to? No, I mean, I don't – we don't know any of that. They keep that stuff locked down. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's 50-50 stuff, you know, when it comes to, you know, Sam Pittman having a co. I mean, he's not ever – let us on to believe anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like if he says, Hey, these guys are 50, yeah. 50, I think it's legit going to be a 50, 50 deal and to see. And, and I think with the, the lack of depth and, and the biggest questions, what you have, I think it's going to, it's going to take two guys to kind of tackle this, this whole, you know, defense this year, because look, you're, you're putting all of these wins, you're putting all of this, stress I would say and, and, and expectations on your offense and your running game but when you're not for sure who you're going to throw to or how you're going to stop things you, you've got one third of your, your your knowledge of what's going on with this team down and I think you need to figure out your re receiving and when I talk about questions you know you got your run game down how's the how's the passing offense and then how's your defense so they, they sure up those two things yeah we can definitely see eight to nine win season. And I know you said, and we'll, we'll wrap it up on this. I know you said that um, you see things as the ceiling is 10 wins, but, but let, what do you predict for this season and in, in record wise, how many wins and give us a, like a hot take or a player that you think is going to have a breakout year. So you actually misheard me. I said the floor is 10 wins. Okay. <laughs> I, I am that optimistic going into this season. I, I think the biggest thing that is, is really hurts that could put a dent in that is losing the moxie of a guy like Quincy McAdoo. I really had him pegged as the next Kenny Hamlin. Um, just a guy that just seemed like he could make a play at anywhere on the field at any time. Um, and they're going to need somebody, whether it be Chris Paul or, or Antonio Greer, or somebody's going to have to step up and, and take that, you know, the role of the, the Hamlin, the Bua, the Ojibutu, somebody that, you know, when somebody needs to be plugged, this is a guy that's going to bring it. And, um, but 
I, I really see this being a 10 win or more season because I, I I think this is for first time in a while, a lot of these what ifs uh, that we have are, are they're going to break in the Razorbacks favor. I, I really think of, uh, as far as a breakout player, and it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with, with KJ learning how to throw a slant and hit his receivers in stride. Um, I think Satagna is really going to break out this year. He's, you know, you saw it in brief spurts last year, man, he's fast out of the cut. He is just, I mean, he gets going quickly and as, as his routes become more polished, I think you're going to, you're going to see a, a lot out of him this year where, where he becomes a real threat and forces teams not to be able to, you know, put eight, nine guys in the box on, on, on rocket. Well, and, and to do that, I, and you, you talk about the what ifs, uh, the, uh, th- this is the, I, I've talked to a couple of guys, uh, John neighbors. And then when we and me and I were talking, I think this season as a whole is, is probably one of the most important seasons in the last 10, 15 years of where this program could go. Uh, they win six games, seven, you know, six games again, five wins, six wins. Now Sam Pittman's seat starts getting hot, and now the expectations start going down. The honeymoon's over with. Now they're questioning, all right, was that nine-win season a fluke? But if they go to eight wins, I'm not saying they have to be world beaters and get to ten wins for things to change, but if they get to eight wins, nine wins, now you're looking, all right, we got a new, we got a new coordinators, we got new staff, they're recruiting very well. Where's this program going up? Even with the absence of KJ, this is the most important year in the last 10, 15 years. Oh, absolutely. And and on another note, you know, like you said, if they do regress back to five, six wins, you you run the real risk of a lot of the four stars that have got people excited and recruiting right now, rethinking their decision to to attach themselves to Arkansas. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you're right. I mean, this is – for Sam Pittman, this, uh, this is this is pretty close to make it make or break. Yeah. And we're, we'll be looking forward to the season. I know SEC media days are, are going on this week. Then we go into summer camp and really, you know, get now. It's really getting to the point to where football is almost there. We had the high school book come out. I got my copy yesterday. So, Things are getting exciting. Thing, you know, we're going to have some content to talk about. You know, Sam Pittman, Arkansas are up this week, and we'll get to know a little bit about you know what his expectations for this team is. KJ is going to be on the mic, so really looking forward to you know hearing from them. And we might even go live that night after you know Arkansas goes to the podium, get some post game reaction or post interview reaction get some fans thoughts, but Rod really want to thank you for coming on tonight and, and talking about your business. And, you know, of course, being someone that is a customer really love the products and my wife and kids, we all, and I know I've told you some kind of things where I wished, you know, we had a little, I, I want to design a little loofah where it has a little zipper where you can just take a, a chunk of that soap <laughs> as I keep on <laughs> staining it, staining up the, that Haverford, uh, Puts a nice little stain on my grates on the on the soap, but I really appreciate you stopping by, and, and I'm going to definitely have to stop in sometime next week or the week after to get some refills. I appreciate you having me on, Porter, and, and give me a shout next time you're in Paris and lunch is on me. All right, I appreciate you. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, we're presented to you by BlueChew.com and BetOnline.ag for all your betting needs, and if you need some 
supplemental stuff for the bedroom guys, be sure to go to bluechew.com. Well, that will do it for this episode. And again, we'll, we'll probably come to you live Wednesday. Definitely have uh, some TBT coverage with Team Arkansas. The, T- the basketball tournament is coming on. We have uh, inside the TBT coming on tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So be looking forward to that. And then, of course, we'll go over SEC Media Days on Wednesday and then our normal show. But we'll catch you tomorrow night right here live at 7 o'clock. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.